Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 153. I want to thank you for taking the time to join me on this episode. I pray that it's a blessing. I'm pretty excited about this episode. Um, It's been a work in development as I have been more really considering it uh, before I release it. And um, so this one's kind of unique. And so I pray that it's uh, an encouragement and a blessing to you. But this particular episode is going to be more of the, I guess, pre-teaching, the laying the kind of scaffolding of what the following episode will be of the exercise. So this, the idea for this came to me in the form of a question. If the imagination can produce sin, what can holy imagination produce so have you ever considered that imagination can produce sin well i would say most all of us have had experience in that in some form jesus actually said in matthew 5 27 through 28 you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery but i tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart so If a man or woman can look and then imagine unholy things, then they have committed sin without the actual physical act. So this begs the question to me, what then can be committed if done within the bounds of holiness? Do you see the importance of this question? Now many may brush this off and think it fanciful or science fiction and and i actually understand that thinking i've kept this to myself for some time because i wanted to ensure i wasn't being presumptuous or misleading but as i have developed this thinking further for myself and then looking for cautions in scripture i'm more and more confident that this is a reasonable and warranted pursuit now, as I began to think in an on direction that Scripture may give regarding imagination, the first verse that came to mind after I looked it up was 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3-5. through 5, And it's actually found in the King James Version. That is the only translation that uses this word imagination. Other translations uh, render it differently. But it's in the King James, and it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, does this mean that we cast down every imagination that we have? To the casual reader of Scripture, you may be quick to answer yes, but careful examination should lead us to look again. 
when you look at the text in context, Paul is instructing the Corinthian church regarding the efficacy of the weapons of our non-carnal warfare, effectively our spiritual weapons. And what can those weapons accomplish? They are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, or other translations call it thinking or arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the truth of God. So some thinking or imaginations was creeping its way into the Corinth church that elevated itself above the truth of God's character and intention. Paul isn't saying, don't imagine. Paul is saying that if your thinking isn't lining up with the reality of God, then our spiritual weapons are mighty to cast them or bring them down. This idea is also reinforced in Philippians 4, verse 8, which says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So meditate or think on these things, Paul is saying. Okay, so just take a practical moment here. There is something profound that occurs during imagination. When we imagine, our minds are reflecting and considering, even in those moments dear to us, Sometimes our physical body can respond to those moments of recollection. We remember a loved one and can then suddenly smell their smell. We imagine an embarrassing moment in our lives and our hearts begin to beat fast. When the mind imagines our heart, our body can respond. Think on dream, on dreaming. We are in a state where our mind is experiencing or producing encounter of sorts, and our bodies can respond physically to those manifested scenarios. You see, this exercise of imagination through holy means, and that's H-O-L-Y, this, is, this will be an exercise about creating a moment of meeting to behold Jesus' face and connect to his love and desire. Now this gives you, this will give you a beginning, an entry point. This is not the only place, but this is a place. He indwells us and we can meet with him there. He's also enthroned in heaven, and that is another place that we can imagine for another time. And why is this beneficial? Well, reality is not necessarily imagination. We can imagine things that are actually not true. 
However, that said, we can imagine things that are true. So there is a delicate balance to navigate here. Your imagination does not dictate or determine truth, but your imagination can be a gateway into experiencing truth. You can imagine both true and false. You're connecting to a place through your mind. And so what is encountered must be done so, anchored, this is important, to the Word. Scripture must be the anchor and foundation by which we judge our imagination. If, remember, if the imagination exalts itself against the knowledge of God, then we cast it down. If we don't know Scripture, then we are prone to error and deception, which is a tactic of the enemy. Now, because of our fear or unknown territory, we attempt to avoid altogether what God is actually inviting us into. We would rather take the bypass because we are afraid that we will be deceived. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So why is guided imagination beneficial? Well, like dreams can produce in us a physical response, holy imagination can produce in us an experience that brings us into encounter with the risen Christ, which can solidify our ability to worship Him because we have beholden Him more fully. We can worship because our eyes have seen Him and not seen in the sense of necessarily the eye, but in the sense of experience. If a person has never experienced life, how could they know they are alive? Experiencing God takes theory into reality. If I experience in reality and I experience in a dream, then which is real? So what I want in the practical exercise in the next episode is to introduce you to the power of holy imagination. So my objective is to facilitate by guidance an encounter with the person of Jesus and whatever he may intend to show you. Now let me give a practical warning once again. Imagination isn't necessarily truth. We can imagine things that are imagined. So it would be dishonest of us to portray imagined things as true things, however they may be. That's, that will be the delicate thing that we'll have to navigate as you make your way from imagination into real encounter. But I do think that the imagination can be a gateway into something more. Somewhat like that state right before you fall asleep, you are slipping into sleep. 
It's a place where your senses are quietened, but you're still somewhat conscious. There is something to that mysterious place. Now, if the risen Jesus, according to Ephesians 3.17, which says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, if, if that Jesus Christ abides, dwells, lives in your heart, then what mystery can be discovered in that abiding place? So in closing, the next episode will be the practice of guiding through the imagination to discover and encounter the person of Jesus. And the guardrails for this exercise will be the Philippians 4.8 framework. Whatever is good and righteous and holy and pure, think on these things. I will guide you by the help of the Holy Spirit to discover, encounter with Jesus. And once you meet him, let him take you on your unique experience. Now, if your thinking gets contaminated, just cast away the thinking and recalibrate to finding his face. We aren't mixing this with any type of occult practice. We are simply expecting to encounter Jesus through holy imagination and letting him connect to our thinking that uniquely speaks to our heart and mind. So this sets the stage. The next episode will be the application of this guided holy imagination. After you partake of this second part with the guided practice, I would love for you to send me an email with your experience. I'd love to read about what your experience was, um, what you maybe saw, what if any benefit that you may have found in this exercise. And you can send me that at the Bible study podcasts. That's with an S at gmail.com. So it's the name of the podcast at gmail.com. And I look forward to connecting with you after this part two episode. God bless. If it means that I'm close to you, I would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here.